all CEOs, me included, we don't actually know what we're doing. They're all sharks, so all you got to do, though, is no shark bait. I don't think we've ever talked about this before. <laughs> we can capture all of the wallet share. First place you start is with the product. That's just the first nut. This is the Capital Stack. Hey, everybody, this is David Paul, the host of the Capital Stack podcast, where I talk to founders, operators, and investors about all things value creations within startups. Today, I am speaking with Alex H, because I'm going <laughs> to I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher her last name. I should have gotten that before we started, uh, but she is with Access Venture Partners out of Denver. Um, I'm super excited. So I guess first question, Alex, how do you pronounce your last name? That's a great question, and I'm excited to have this out <laughs> on the internet. Yeah. Uh, it's Hotelin. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say like Hootelin or something. You would not be alone. Okay. That's a very common mis- mispronunciation. Yeah. What else do you get? Yeah, so uh, Hoftalin is the number. That's the other one, yeah. But it's so much easier than all of those. It's just yeah. hotel in. Hotel in. Yeah. I like it. Alex yeah. Hotel in. Yeah. This is great. You should like do like one of those things where like they actually like spell it out, like how it sounds. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I do in some places on Slack and whatever. Yeah. Okay, yeah. perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Alex is here with us in the studio within Scottsdale, even though her uh, podcast, or excuse me, her uh, her venture firm is in Denver. So, so Alex, how you like in Phoenix? You know, I love it. The I think it snowed a little bit where I was yesterday uh, up in the mountains of Scottsdale, so that was not my favorite day here. But I, I love it. The weather's awesome. I like to mountain bike, um, and then it's just. You know, I'm really enjoying the kind of entrepreneurial community. I have met a ton of people. I've been driving all over the place. It takes an hour for me to get anywhere, uh, Mm -hmm. which is because I'm kind of way up north. But um, yeah, meeting a lot of interesting founders. Um, The Startup Arizona people have been really welcoming and helpful. and, you know, I'm already to the point in a month where I'm, I'm kind of running into people, meeting a lot of people that know each other. So it just feels like a really cool, tight knit ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So what do you want to talk about today? It's <laughs> a great question. Um, you know, I don't I, want to talk about chat GP3. Oh, right. great. Perfect. We don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't want well, to talk about um, that at all. It is. It's interesting. But I'm yeah, I'm, I keep saying um, just. People cannot shut up about it. It's it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think it's like Um, the ultimate parlor trick. Yeah, it's very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I guess my best idea is, you know, I'm probably one of the newer, newest, I would bet I'm the newest investor that you've talked to. So um, anything (laughs) that doesn't require... (laughs) too much historical knowledge or depth of knowledge and you know happy to talk about how getting into the business um mm-hmm. it's this is not where i thought i would end up um uh you know i have sort of an interesting uh path to getting here so happy to talk about that yeah no i do want to talk about that everyone loves the 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 kind of the path to venture capital story um 
I do want to talk about your time at Harvard. Yeah, sure. When, when you, when you say like Harvard, do you put your nose up in the air? Oh, not at all. In fact, I was, you know, that's probably the biggest reason why I needed to get out of there because I think I don't really fit into that uh, kind of culture. If I went to Harvard, I would tell anybody that would listen that I went to Harvard. Yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. Well, and I didn't even go to Harvard. I went to Wellesley and then, uh, which is a small liberal arts college outside of Boston. It's one of the few remaining uh, women's colleges. So it was one of the seven sister schools. Oh, cool. Yeah, I loved it. It was awesome. Um, incredible environment and incredible alumni community, I think, because there's this, uh, we've moved away from the term sisterhood, but there's this incredible community uh, by just having women sure. coming together. Um, and so incredibly supportive, awesome experience. And then out of that, I, my first job was at the Harvard Business School. I had studied uh, political science and economics and kind of really was interested in international economic development. I thought I'd work for a nonprofit or in public policy. Um, always been super impact oriented, focused on economic justice and, uh, you know, how do we create opportunity for people? And I thought the government and nonprofits is mm -hmm. the is the obvious path and answer there. So is that is it? Uh, well, just wait for my story. I'll give you the whole spiel. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> no worries. Okay. Um, so I got this job out of uh, right out of school, at working for a guy named Michael Porter at the Harvard Business School. Mm -hmm. I was hired. I think you know the number one job they had in mind for me was to like refill the printers and make sure everything was stocked. I was an office assistant, so really. I was just trying to get some early experience um, working in a nonprofit uh, or just something that I thought would translate to my first real job in a nonprofit. Um, and I didn't know that much about, I, I knew he had um, some interesting work. He's done some, uh, you know, he's well known for his work. He's kind of a strategy guru guy, mm -hmm. but he also has this whole body of work around economic development. Um, and so I was just trying to build up some skills that were actually marketable mm -hmm. um, coming out of a, a liberal arts education. And uh, over time, I got really integrated into his work and really super interested in the research he was doing. And actually, it's kind of funny how that happened. So um, Michael Porter... So he was an academic. He's an academic. And he's a well-published academic. Really well-published. In fact, um, you know. Uh, so is he like Scott Galloway good? Uh, he's, if he is the most cited business uh, writer of all time. Okay. Like he, I'm going to write this down. In so. fact, if you were to do some Google Scholar uh, analysis, he is one of the top five most cited, you know, thinkers of all time. Like Interesting. He's, he's okay. written something like 20 books. Um, and you worked directly underneath him. Yeah, I worked really super closely with him for eight years. And I never thought I was going to spend eight years there. But I, uh, you know, I just got to know his work really well. Um, became closer to him, moved on to the research side of things pretty quickly. That's not what I was hired to do. But um you know, what happened is Michael, he's old school, mm -hmm. uh, and he would do a lot of his uh, 
editing of his books and whatever he was working on by hand. And so Mm -hmm. my first job out of college, I, I did all kinds of things around the office. And then he would have me take his handwritten edits and type them into the computer. And so I read for that first like year that I did that, I read everything he did. He has terrible handwriting. So to kind of get better at that, right. I read other things that he had written. I just got to know his style and know his work. And then he realized, um, you know, I was actually, you know, really good at kind of understanding his thinking, where he was going, making corrections for him. So he brought me onto the research side of things. I had a great mentor there, this woman who had just come out of Wharton and, uh, took me under her wing, uh, really learned, uh, you know, his work, started writing case studies with him, eventually moved more. He has a big, uh, he has a consulting side of what he does. He works with a lot of, you know, Fortune 500 companies, big, large corporations. So I'm on thinking kind of, of him like, strategy a, like, work. A, like a, what's the guy? Who's the guy I'm thinking about? The, the big management consulting guy, Drucker. Yeah. Is yeah. he like that guy? D- totally. Yeah. In that vein, for sure. In I mean, that his, realm. His, he, uh, and he is, you know, no longer teaching, but he was teaching at HBS, primarily executive education. He would get a program um, that he taught with the dean and a couple of other people that every, I mean, not every, but a huge percentage of the newly appointed CEOs of, you know, multi-billion dollar businesses would come through this new CEO program where they would, you know, oh, cool. uh, it was very cool, incredible, uh, you know, network there. Um, so what was the be- the biggest piece of, be- the best piece of advice that Michael Porter gave you? I mean, he has a lot of famous quotes that I still dredge out all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think probably my favorite is that, uh, you know, strategies choosing what not to do Mm. i think um his and and something uh along the lines of uh if you're not disappointing some people you don't have a strategy is the other one Um, yeah yeah so and he's an incredible uh speaker and storyteller so he has uh yeah you should i'll send you some videos because he um he's he he tell he has riffs on that that are just you know really super good and entertaining and kind of case studies from from past consulting uh that he's done so anyway i over time um started working not just on kind of his strategy work but he has this whole body of work around what he calls creating shared value and this is what got me super excited and and got me to stay in that role for a while and kind of advance. I, by the end of my time there, I was managing his his kind of a think tank within HBS. Um, so I was managing uh, his research team at that. Uh, it's called the Institute for Strategy and Competitiveness. Um, managing a team, you know, helping him on consulting projects um, and, uh, you know, both strategy, but this creating shared value work, which the idea there, which isn't new at all now, but when he was writing about this back in the kind of mid 2000s, early, you know, I think he published this article called creating shared value in 2011, is that, you know, there is absolutely no, um, well, that profit and purpose are not in conflict 
They're highly synergistic. And a lot of our greatest opportunities, business opportunities, are solving, you know, social needs. Those are unmet, uh, you know, unmet problems, unmet needs that the only scalable way to solve is through, you know, business, through a scalable, profitable business model. Um, Government unfortunately, has failed to solve a lot of these problems. Um, nonprofits just don't have kind of the, the scalable, you know, without profit, mm-hmm. it's it's just never going to... You can't gonna, build any infrastructure. You can't. It's never going to reach the scale that we need to, to really make a huge difference. Um, and so I spent a lot of my time with him digging into that, looking at examples of companies, you know, primarily big companies, but also startups that are, you know, have adopted this perspective, are uh, developing, he has a a framework for how you think about the opportunities that create shared value, kind of, you know, looking at the products, the uh, opportunities to reduce waste and be more efficient and train people in your value chain. And then kind of in your community, in the communities where you operate, uh, things you can do that are highly synergistic with building business value. Um, Uh So, you know, I got really into that way of thinking, um, knew that whatever I did next was going to be related to social impact, social entrepreneurship. Um, Eventually, uh, the pandemic hit and that gave me an opportunity to think about what's next. And I... um, uh, I actually had been commuting between New York and Boston. I was living in New York because my wife had gotten a great job there. And we we fled, came out to Boulder. Um, and I realized, you know, I, I thought I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I was like, I, I got to get a lot closer to the action. You know, I'd been mm-hmm. helping write articles and mm-hmm. case studies and mm-hmm. way up here. And I wanted to get, you know, many steps closer to that impact that I thought was, you know, the so important the only way we're going to change the world through social entrepreneurship so i thought i was going to start a company i uh joined the mba program at cu um because i i even though i'd worked at harvard for so long i i had never taken that time off to go and get an mba and I realized that I actually don't probably have the skills that i need some of the the core you know uh you know like how to do the books and, you know, or build a financial model that Mm -hmm. I would actually need to run a company. Um, so I took that time to kind of incubate it and, uh, ended up through that. I joined a startup. I worked for Techstars. I kind of took that time to explore and then, uh, found my way into venture. I was on the student venture fund at, at CU and just realized that uh, this is actually an incre- one, a good match for my skills from mm-hmm. someone that has spent a lot of time, you know, writing memos <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and making PowerPoints. And two, I mean, I just think venture is an incredible, like kind of, you know, noble uh, profession where you're you're really helping create value in the world. Um, so I was lucky enough to find my way into that. Uh, got an internship with Access Ventures. Um, and then they, I did a good enough job that they hired me. So awesome. Yeah. So it's a, the long story. And, you know, you got a, a whole background on sort of Michael Porter, who is a really brilliant, interesting person. So if you don't know much about him, you shouldn't help. No, should I'm going to I'm going to definitely uh, dig, dig up um, some articles and stuff. So like new, now that you've been working with earlier stage companies, <clears throat> you've seen kind of you know, the, the, the grit and the, um, 
you know, all, and the, basically all the action and activities that are needed to create value within a small company. And then you've seen it from an academic perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And where, you know, I mean, academics, I mean, I think there's someone to learn from everything, right? But how do you, how do you bridge that, um, I guess, the, the novelty of, of those frameworks and those, you know, uh, those templates into an early stage company? Yeah, that's such a great question. And, you know, I'm grateful that I had the experience of joining a really early stage startup and kind of, I think that was something that uh, was just, I knew was critical because that's, uh, I think I identified a huge gap, right? Uh, There's a big difference between an academic exercise in an exercise, a strategy exercise in a, you know, fortune 100 company where you have an entire corporate strategy team and a team of consultants coming in that can spend hundreds of hours buying data, uh, pulling, you know, analyzing that data, putting it into these kind of frameworks and models. And, um, you know, I think I was maybe a little bit naive in some ways about, uh, you know, what the right approach would be in a startup. Um, I mean, I think a lot of the same principles apply, right? You just have to... There's just no time, right? Exactly. (laughs) There's no time and there's no money, right? Yeah. But I think you can do lighter weight versions, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, and there's a lot of tools that have been put out specifically to, to kind of do that, leverage the best of like the lean canvas. And so Mm -hmm. I think those are, those are super worthwhile um, because it's, you know, a lot of the times founders have so much of that knowledge in their head, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, frameworks are just ways to help you organize that knowledge and put it all down on paper. Um, You know, I know founder I know is doing a five forces exercise. That's kind of Michael's (laughs) big, his big hit um, Mm -hmm. that was the five forces, you know, but they're thinking about a lot of those dynamics, right? kind of what is, you know, how do I capture value in this industry and what, you know, how do I acquire power versus my, my customers and my suppliers? And, you know, so they might do something really lightweight and a lot of that can be done in, you know, kind of the, the lean canvas or, or some kind of more condensed version. Um, but I still think that, you know, going through that exercise of putting into paper and, Sometimes mm-hmm. that's done in, in like the pitch deck, right? right. Um, mm-hmm. Is uh, is is still really helpful, and I'm always really impressed when I meet a founder. Uh, you know, and, and the context that I'm meeting them is typically the the pitch, right? Which is when they're forced to take everything from their head about the vision of this company and and put it down to paper if they haven't done that before. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm looking at you know seed stage, Series A companies. Um, I'm always really impressed when, you know, I ask some of these, I, I, given my background, I always really like to dig into the market and the competition and um, the distribution, the kind of the channels, the uh, partnerships. And, um, you know, those aren't in their, in their, their kind of core no. deck, but occasionally, you know, a founder, they'll say, 
oh, I've got a slide for that. Let me go pull that out of the appendix. And mm-hmm. like, I've, I've, I've really thought this through. And even if they, you know, I think it's at that early stage, they can recognize that they're, they just, they don't know yet necessarily everything, but they're thinking about all the right things and they thought it was important enough to, to put it down mm-hmm. on, onto paper. Or maybe that was an internal slide. Yeah, exactly. Right. Totally. It's yeah, not something that, sure. you know, they thought an investor would care about. Yeah, totally. So as an associate or a senior associate, mm-hmm. um, someone told me really once that if, you know, one of the best things to, you know, if you're not a, a person that can self-structure, then getting an early stage venture is not, is not a job for you because mm-hmm. there's, there is a very much a mentorship. Totally. Uh, so game, an apprenticeship. An apprenticeship. Model. Yeah, exactly. So how do you organize your day? Yeah. Oof, that's a great question. And in fact, I, someone else told me that, you know, they think that the biggest driver of, or like the, you know, time management is the biggest driver of success in venture. And I, I, I like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought I, I noted it cause I think it's so true and I'm, I'm finding that to be true. Definitely. Um, you know, I have, I guess three main jobs, right? Uh, sourcing and this is, this is, these are the jobs of venture sourcing deals, doing and doing due diligence. Um, so I, I guess the, I'll count those as two separate and then working with portfolio companies. Um, I don't really spend any time fundraising, which mm-hmm. I, I feel very lucky mm-hmm. about because it allows me to do these other things better. Um, hopefully in the future, that'll become part of my job. Um, and, and then I guess the, the other thing that I do, which is a part of the deal sourcing, is spending a lot of time and given my background, this is what I really like, um, digging into markets, trying to do some market mapping. Um, and using that as a source of, of deal flow. Um, I, I'm, you know, I, I wish that I could say I had a more clear structure to my day that I do the same thing all the time, but I, I assume this is similar for everyone. It's, it's kind of dictated by the founders, right? Mm-hmm. I, I will, you know, move things around so that I can talk to a founder that I want to talk to and, um, prioritize that probably above everything else. Um, but so, you know, in the morning, I try to spend some time getting organized, trying to stay, keep up with, with emails that, that need to be replied to. Um, then it's t- I have a lot of meetings between founders and I, I meet with a lot of other investors trying to, uh, you're, you're the number one expert I know at this, but trying to just share deals, be helpful, talk about deals that we're looking at. Um, you know, build relationships to uh, help out our companies uh, for future rounds. Um, and then typically, you know, then I don't think this is good practice. I do my diligence mostly toward the end of the day into the evenings, might bleed over into the weekend because I know that <laughs> that's the part I like doing the most. So I try and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, save that for when I just it's a little can... treat at the end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and I know all it's stuff that needs to get done. Um, so, you know, I try and fill the top of the funnel in the, you know, first half of the day and then kind of process the, the funnel toward the end of the day. I don't know. That's what I do. I don't know if that's right at all. I would love to hear what you do. And this is my show, Alex. I ask the questions. You can't <laughs> yeah. ask me any questions. Uh, you know, I think everyone just has a cadence, right? Of, yeah. of they think they, you know, of what they need to do. And it's kind of a schedule and you build it and, you know, hopefully mm-hmm. it coincides. I mean, you have partners. I don't have partners. Mm-hmm. Right. So 
um, generally speaking, it's kind of what I want. But, yeah. you know, in the beginning of the year, I do have targets and I do have goals and I get very clear about them mm-hmm. because if not, I, I mean, I love time management is the bi- biggest success. I mean, I think that's absolutely mm-hmm. true. Yeah. You can spend so much time um, going down roads that lead to nowhere. You know, I mean, I, I remember my first year starting off on my own, I was like, well, I just need to talk to everybody. And yeah, yeah. what I did was I built a really big pipeline of shitty companies, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and right. like, and yeah. so I would love to talk, you said this phrase and this word, and we've talked about it in private before, but I'd love to kind of get your thoughts about it on the air of this concept of market mapping, mm-hmm. right. And thematic investing. And, and yeah. what is that and how do you do it? Right. Well, I'm, you know, absolutely not the expert, but I'm trying to figure it out. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, given my background, one, just with kind of doing research and analysis and kind of academic exercises, and also with, you know, working for so long with this person whose, you know, mantra is just focus and strategy. Mm -hmm. I think I really am drawn toward thematic or thesis-driven investing. Um, I would say that Right now I'm kind of in the thematic uh, mm-hmm. space and not yet to the thesis driven. I think to, to get to the thesis, you have to go mm-hmm. through uh, a whole process and spend some time in a theme and really get to the point where you. I think you that's right. A, I think like yeah. the, the, the thesis is really like what what um, what is the, the site of the gun you're looking through? And, yeah. like, you know, does the does the company fit within the site? And the theme is the totally. target. Right? Yeah, exactly. And, and I hope to get to a more thesis-driven approach. Um, and, you know, with that said, I access has historically been, you know, our, our kind of theme and approach historically has been regional, right? Um, so this is just background. I'll answer your question mm-hmm. um, the best that I can. Um, Historically, we've been regional investors. We started out uh, 20-something years ago. Our uh, founders came from the Bay Area to Colorado because they saw an opportunity in an, you know, an underserved capital market that um, was really growing like crazy. Uh, we've, I think, done a great job in Colorado. And we've developed just you know, because of uh, the nature of venture, I think uh, you, you find, you find some success in an area and you double Mm -hmm, down there. And mm -hmm. so we've, we've kind of had some themes emerge. um, And those are, you know, cybersecurity. Uh, We've made some great investments there, continue to look at a ton of cyber. Um, Kind of HR tech or human capital management broadly um, is another one. We have some some great uh, HR tech companies in our portfolio right now. And then you know there's a, f- a few others. We look at some uh, some some marketplaces. Um, you know I'm probably uh, forgetting one, but those are you know those are big ones. And then um, but we're operate because we've been regionally focused. We're also very opportunistic generalist we like to know every deal happening in colorado so we so we really look at anything in software um so you know while we are taking a more thematic approach because we have more you know interest in doing that and in capacity and i think we see value in it we also see a lot of value in continuing to to just you know know every single deal that happens in colorado and then you know the mountain region more broadly um so you know well I like a thematic approach. That's that's not totally, you know, mm-hmm. the, the strategy of access. Um, you know, the way I'm going about it, and this comes from 
uh, you know, consulting work that I did with Michael. I think you have to start by just really getting a handle on macros and, and, you know, understanding areas where you think there is, uh, there are, there are, uh, you know, waves that you can ride. Right. And I think we've talked about, and, you know, some of these that I'm focused on in kind of the future of workspace. Um, so, you know, there's, uh, there's obviously a, a whole variety of things that I could choose to focus on. I've, I've kind of picked the, the really broad, broad category of future of work. Um, and I, there's a lot of sub segments, uh, in between that. So, mm-hmm. I've started just doing a lot of reading, kind of trying to understand like what are the big uh, themes and trends in terms of the way, um, you know, the demographic changes, uh, you know, uh, you know, you could do there's all kinds of frameworks around this. You could do a little pestle or, you know, mm-hmm. and I haven't, I haven't done that in, what'd you call it? What'd you say that was uh, a pestle, like political, economic, social, oh, okay. technological, okay. technological, legal, whatever, environmental. Um, so you can use something like that as kind of a high level guide uh, and just try to understand what are some of the big um, drivers of change and drivers of changing needs. You know, and that's really what it comes down to is trying to understand, you know, how are the needs of society and businesses and customers changing over time and kind of keep that in mind. And really, you know, in our job, paying a lot of attention to technological changes. What are the big technologies that you think are going to impact this theme? So. You know, there's so many. So, like generative AI is a huge one right now. Oh God! Even, <laughs> <laughs> we covered this. We can't I talk know. about ChatGPT. You know, there's. Um, I mean, AI in general. It's having. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's opening up potential across so many areas. Um, video in education over the past, you know, however several years has been a big one. Um, you know, uh, there's a bunch, but just really focusing in on what are those big technologies that you think are are going to be impactful. And then, you know, also given my background, the other piece that I do is it's just like case studies, right? I'm trying to go out and find and map out. Um, and there's some of these, you know, you can go on the internet and find a, a start of like, you know, here's a hundred companies mapped out in, into the, the uh, HR tech space and with some buckets around it. And that's a good place to start. Um, like you have to just look at a ton of companies and find a way to, you know, keep track of them and, and in a way that is able, you're able to draw insights out of. So, um, and look for patterns, kind of drill into like, okay, so what's the technological approach here? The, the innovation, what's the business model kind of what's the, the, who are they serving, you know, specifically what's the need. Um, and so I've, you know, I don't know if this is, uh, 
a good approach or not, but this is gold, Alex. I'm literally taking notes so I can just become better. So, <laughs> well, that's that's <laughs> nice. Um, so you know, I just try to build up, and because we are short on time in this, it's not an academic exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, I try. To, I'm building up my own database where I'm doing it in Airtable, and I kind of develop a taxonomy for how I think about the different approaches I'm seeing across those categories. Right, and you can't do it until you write it down. Totally. And I change it constantly. That's why I like Airtable because I'll I'll develop a taxonomy within, you know, within uh, you know, corporate learning business models. Um, and then I'll realize, oh, that's not quite quite right. And I can go back and mm-hmm. adjust it. Um, and just the more companies you see, the more you're you putting your brain it. in Airtable. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you have to, I have to take notes. Otherwise, it's just a, a floating mess of, of, a, of a market. And um, how do you take notes? I just bought a book about taking notes. I haven't oh, read yeah. it yet. But like, how do you think about note taking? Mm, well, I do it in, in different ways. And I'm far from perfect. Um, but I, I mean, I use Evernote for just every conversation. I can type without it even you know, with just what I'm hearing, type it. And I like to do that because I like to just have records of things. Um, so if I'm having a conversation, I'll, I'll, I take pretty detailed notes, but then you have to pull out insights, right. And, and put them somewhere. Um, so that's what I'm wondering. How do you, I mean, it's not the technology, the technology is there. It's like, how do you, I mean, I write down notes and I'll look at this and I'll be like, I I don't understand what I just wrote down. I just wrote down words. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I have a running, I have a PowerPoint deck going on kind of the different markets that I'm looking at and I'll just, so say a new insight comes out, I'll create a new slide, right. Or a new really interesting company, um, that I want to do kind of have more of a in-depth understanding of an in-depth kind of case study, I'll create a slide on that. And then Interesting. Okay. over time, you can shuffle it around and kind of, you know, turn it into something. But right, I mean, right now it's super messy. I wouldn't like show it to anyone at the moment. <laughs> but, um, but you just, you know, you have to just constantly force yourself to kind of pull out the insights into something that's a little bit more synthesized. I mean, the other thing I do is, I mean, I write a lot of memos, even though we you know, we, we pretty, we use them internally. I use them to just inform the rest of my team around how I'm thinking about things. And then sections of that uh, are reusable and I can get pulled into this kind of, uh, you know, uh, big running PowerPoint that I have on a market. So a lot of what I, you know, it's just when you start to look at companies in the same space, uh, you know, that's how you build the market map, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're just, you're every company I look at and the deeper I dig in, like if we're, you know, the, the whole goal of this is to identify interesting companies in a space that um, is underserved, right? I'm looking a lot recently at the learning market. I think there's huge opportunities, so many dollars. We've talked about upskilling. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a huge need, a, a big gap between kind of what the, education system is producing and the skills that are needed today. Totally. And, and it's only, I think, accelerating that, that gap. Um, it's an unsolved problem, but there's so much money going into it. So many players. It's really a complex where, market. Yeah. Now. So where's the, yeah, where's the noise? You know, I mean, yeah. and I, I looked at, 
looking at waves and like how do you what are the leading and the lagging indicators mm-hmm. of of the waves that you talked about? And mm-hmm. I think the lagging indicator is see where venture dollars are going. Yeah, right. Totally. But it's like yeah. that's when you're walking into a really noisy space. Yeah, and you're writing sure. a hype. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing that I've thought about doing is really just sharpening. You know, because I'm more of a people person than a you know um, an academic. Right. Mm-hmm. So. I, you know, I get a lot from conversations. So sharpening the network with operators mm-hmm. and just, yeah. you know, and that seems to be very helpful, but then eventually you run out of operators to talk to. Totally. And yeah. It, that's it, a big part of my process too, is just reaching out to people in the space and, and getting those interviews, um, which, you know, is also something you do to write a case study or do consulting work. It's, it's very, uh, very similar process. What I'm doing right now is I'm just looking for like the infectious wound. Like, where's the pain? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like in the industry yeah, and, and totally. just run towards like the center of the pain mm-hmm. and then see what, you know, who else is around it. Yeah. That's a really good perspective. I think, um, it, you know, uh, and I think, uh, the best way to do that, like talking to operators, talking to, you know, in, in this case, learning leaders, CHROs, um, mm-hmm. is, is the best way to do it. And is also what all of these entrepreneurs are and, and or should be doing mm-hmm. too. Um, so that's another great place of learning. I just, I try and talk to as many companies as possible in this theme, even, you know, um, even if they're not necessarily at our sweet spot for stage or like, I'm always learning from these founders. Well, you and, have to talk up market, right? Because you have to yeah, know what totally. they're doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I find that incredibly helpful. Cool. Well, right on. Well, I think that's all the time we got. You're a natural at this. Uh, wow. That was quick. Okay. Less painful <laughs> yeah. than I thought. And we've I was been going for two hours. <laughs> I can't believe how long this is the longest podcast we've had. Man. Well, I appreciate it. This, I was, uh, very outside my comfort zone, but, uh, I, you know, you know, I've always had, I mean, I'm, I haven't been doing this for as long as your partners. That's for sure. I mean, they've got some, definitely some, a lot of experience and mileage, but you know, ever since I've, you know, started, I've always really targeted talking to the associate level people at firms just because they work harder. (laughs) (laughs) You know, period. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's, you know, they're they're in it. And you know, and there's just so much to like, does this make sense? Right. And when you're looking at these opportunities, it's like, I mean, like, yes, I mean, I've just seen like this, um, especially in later stage venture, just people just kind of like just group think and no one's just stepping back and being mm. like, this, this doesn't make sense at all. Mm. Yeah. And I've really appreciated having, there's a great, um, especially in, you know, the mountain region in general, there was, um, an emerging VC conference that, uh, oh, cool. next frontier put together and it was just awesome to get, uh, kind of the the peer mentorship of of people that are new in this space and uh thinking a little bit differently uh has been incredible awesome yeah awesome all right right. so a couple can questions okay yeah um best book you've ever read (laughs) you know uh, i like fiction and novels and poetry um i am a big yeah, my my, I'm a big fan of Raymond Carver short stories, which probably tells you if you know you should read some of them. Tells you some about my personality and mm-hmm. like kind of depressing uh, middle of America kind of you know. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, sort of you like to where feel, I grew up. I like, like to feel things. You like to feel the feels. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. I could probably give you some some business book uh, recommendations that I, I love okay. too, but yeah. Okay. And then uh, best piece of business advice you've ever received. Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think well, and this will resonate with you and kind of your intro to the show, just focusing on at all times on, on value. And this comes from, you know, Michael Porter's very, very focused on value. Like, um, how do you create, you know, do things uh, at a higher quality at a lower cost and just your, make that your guiding star. Uh, Boom. Yeah. <laughs> right. like, like that's the, that's all there is. Margin. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How do we create more margin? Yeah, totally. And by doing that, you're going to, you know, find some really interesting, uh, you know, you're going to serve people, find, find really interesting business models. And um, that's just always the, the North star. Absolutely. Everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. We drop an episode every Tuesday on all your favorite podcasting platforms, uh, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. If you like it, please subscribe, tell a friend, cancel me, do whatever. I'll talk (laughs) to you later. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Capital Stack Podcast. Make sure to share this with someone you know that can benefit from this content. Remember to support this show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. David Paul is the founder and general partner at DWP Capital. All opinions expressed by David and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of DWP Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. David and guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed on this podcast.